What's up all, Aaron, but not that Aaron here to tell you about SifPop Writer's Room. For the past several years, there have been a growing amount of writers for SifPop.com providing best ever challenges, movie reviews, themes, legacies, connections, and so much more. SifPop Writer's Room is where that all comes together, giving a voice to those words that you read. And on the show, every week is excellent, getting to chat such a wide variety of movies with a wide variety of movie lovers, and I'm really having a lot of fun with the show, and I just think that you would too. So check out SifPop Writer's Room wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you over there. Just remember to knock first. Welcome back, film fans, or should I say TV show fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and across the screen for me, Drew Douglas. Woo! It's right. We are back in isolation or quarantine with our mics hot and ready, just like Little Caesars Pizza. I've been seeing so many Little Caesars commercials, and I... I genuinely laugh out loud when I see the little man say pizza, pizza, (laughs) pizza, pizza. I loved that as a kid. And now as an adult, or if I don't even feel like I'm an adult, but now that I'm older, anytime I see those, they still make me happy. Do they still do hot and ready's Mm -hmm. for five bucks? Yeah. What's great. Here's a little, uh, little inside information that I freaking love so much. I, Go, there's like an express pretty close to me and there's a while where I would call in and if you call ahead you can get them to make it fresh where it's not like sitting and in this incubator for like a week and you can also <laughs> you get that like I always say to add light sauce and then it's like fresh as soon as you get there and then they also add a little bit of what they call crazy crust. It's like this spread of Parmesan cheese and um, the, um, uh, it's just like this uh, nice little oregano sauce. I love it. Mm. I, you know, I've been bashing Papa John's lately, but their new stuff crust is out and I saw a commercial. But you haven't had it? No, I'm tempted though. Oh man, I'll be honest. I ended up trying just a stuffed crust pepperoni from Papa's. I was so disappointed. The new one? Yeah. Is it bad? I was. Yeah. The thing that sucked is that the crust was just freaking dry. It's like there's yeah. there's no type of it, they did not lather that up. Yeah, like, the last time I got it, I didn't finish the crust. It was awful. Yeah, it makes me sad because I remember Papa John's, they used to have a great crust, but now it's just terrible. It's dry. It's what I imagine sand with a little bit of melted cheese tastes like. We have a very exciting, I'm, I'm trying to describe in one word what we're about to talk about. Nonetheless, it's the brand new CBS All Access show, The Stand. We've been patiently awaiting this. It is Stephen King's opus story about a plague that literally takes out 99% of the population, and we're left with that 1%. So this show, we have been looking forward to it, and it's released, and we delayed talking about it due to obvious 
circumstances of me getting uh, COVID. I will say, a uh, little teaser ahead, the first episode, The End, the name of the pilot for this new miniseries, freaked me out so much because there are so many parallels to like my experience of like noticing someone cough or myself coughing or something like that. And instead of being like, oh, is it coronavirus? And this show that's like, oh, is it Captain Trips? But we are going to dive into the first three episodes of The Stand. And for that, we will run through the stats. We've got our overall thoughts. And we will talk about some of our favorite things as well. And we've got predictions for you for the upcoming episodes. Believe it or not, we're already a third through this series. Only nine episodes total. Our first act is complete. Seems very strange that we are already a third through and it feels like there is a lot of ground to cover. Just like a brief overview of our knowledge of this material. We both love Stephen King and you recently listened to the audiobook. I have never read the book or listened to the audiobook. I've read the first like 100 pages of the book, but that's it. It's like a, a preacher that's never read his Bible. Oh, so you, and in an essence, uh, that's a very close comparison, I would say, with our love for Stephen King. Um, you just finished the novel about a month and a half ago. Is that right? Yeah, I cranked it up. Number second time. It had been probably four or five years, but it was, uh, it was the second go round. Well, and that's kind of the daunting factor of it because... I mean, the unabridged version, the the hard uh, back that I've got is just 1,200 pages, but mm-hmm. I think it's 1,250, something like that. It's 1,152, <sighs> complete and uncut. But again, that is the way you, that is the one to do. The normal yeah. one is only like 800 something. Yeah, that we want Stephen King to be completely unedited. Even though I've only read about 100 pages, I watched the original ABC miniseries, six episodes long and just under six hours. You've never seen that, though. I haven't ever seen it. I'm always, I've always been too afraid that it's going to be cheap. There is a lot of cheesiness from what I can remember about it. Uh, it's been several years since I've watched it, but there is a charm that it has. And I've always been curious, like, what does Stephen King truly think uh, after this series has now started coming out, does he look back on that property and and kind of see that um, in a little more favorable light? Because he's done that. Obviously, he's been outspoken against The Shining, but he talks about, as in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, but he's talked about other works of The Shining. And it's like that miniseries, and he freaking loves it. I didn't know this. It's, it's on Blu-ray, and it says it's brilliantly restored. I bought it for my dad for his birth, birthday last year because uh, he's a Stephen King fan too. He rewatched it, I think, that night. And he um, he and I were talking about uh, comparisons with this new show. And it's, it's interesting, especially with the characters. But I'm sure there are a lot of comparisons that you've got with the novel and how they tell the story now. So, so, so your father's watching this? Yes. Have you been watching it together? 
We, uh, I would say that there's one episode we did watch together. And then outside of that, it's been separate. <laughs> the episode that we watched together ended up being the least uh, profane. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little worried going into it because I'm like, oh boy, here we go. We're just going to end up uh, watching the prequel, The Wolf of Wall Street. Now, one thing I don't want to get, I don't want to get caught up on differences between this and the book because they're obviously two different things. I'm going into this whole thing, realizing things will be different and that's fine. The thing you have to keep in mind, if you're going to change stuff, it better be decent to good. And that is probably the thing that this has struggled with is the changes it's made. What's the logic behind it? Because it's honestly, in my opinion, not working. I'm really curious to know and to hear from Josh Boone who is the creator and showrunner for this series about some of the decisions that he and his team are making for this. Uh, Speaking of Josh, let's go ahead and get into the stats uh, for the first three episodes. As I said earlier, episode one is the end. Uh, It is 59 minutes. It was released on December 17th, and it was written by Josh Boone and Benjamin Cavill. Uh, Cavill also worked on Justified and Homeland. The episode was directed by Boone. Episode two, Pocket Savior, sitting at a cool 65 minutes, was released on December 24th, Christmas Eve. It seems a little odd that that was released on Christmas. You'd think, like you said, that they would have released it early, like the day before. Um, That episode, co-written once again by Josh Boone and Cavill, directed this time by Tucker Gates, who worked on Alias and one of the greatest movies ever, Jonah Hex. And yeah, yeah. Tucker Gates, though, if you if you recognize that name, he did a lot on Lost. Which makes me wonder what the show look like if Damon got his hands on it or or Cuse if. If he also... Both of them, which I, I wish they would work together again. But those two would knock this out of the park. I mean, Damon's already um, dabbled in it when he did The Leftovers, which mm. is kind of along the same lines of dealing with the aftermath of a catastrophic event. And he did that really, really well. And then for the third episode, Blank Pages, released on New Year's Eve, December 31st, it was written by Jill Killington and Owen King. If that name does not sound familiar, that's a son of Stephen King. I'm really curious now after this to go and, and pick up his work. I was meaning to do a um, to get one of his books on through Audible, and I think I had the choice of that or a Stephen King book, and I went with Desperation, a Stephen King book. That would be a prime story to tell and a uh, as a movie i think that'd be a great story i'm surprised they haven't done it yet well, they um, did a tv movie oh really yeah in uh 2006 oh and you've seen it i it's been a long time but i did watch it it's got ron perlman in it and um tom scared's in it steven weber man i gotta watch this now that sounds awesome it was back when, remember, ABC, I believe it's ABC. They used to always do Stephen King, yeah. you know, like adaptations. And I'm waiting for that to happen again. They need to, because that was that was like the prime time with Rose Red, Kingdom Hospital, and then all, of, all those made-for-TV movies. And then the miniseries with The Stand, too. Now, episode three, Blank Pages, it was directed by Bridget Savage Cole. 
and Dan- Danielle Crudy, who both worked on the Amazon original movie, Blow the Man Down. Have you seen that? Oh, really? No, mm-hmm. I heard it's awesome, though. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting, especially when we start digging into these episodes. We talk about our favorite moments and characters. And then also when we rank these episodes, I kind of how you feel about this. Let's go ahead and start off with overall thoughts about The Stand and what we've seen so far. Three episodes in, what are you thinking? I think there's enough for me to be excited about. I think this does enough for me to like. And I, I, I think a lot of that just comes from really loving the book. I don't, if I hadn't read the book and I didn't like it, I don't know if I would continue watching this show. Hmm. So if you went in, and especially with the pilot, you watch that as a standalone and that's it. Do you, is there enough there for you to want to continue? Just the pilot. I don't know. It's hard to say because of the structure of this story, which is told with flashbacks. Uh, and it's been, I would say, most people's biggest problem with this show. And I, I don't mm. like it either. I find it just kind of confusing. And then, but having knowledge of the book, it, it fills in the gaps for me. I think if you haven't read it or have no knowledge of it, I don't know if you like this. I found it interesting, especially with the first episode where we have this introduction um, that we return to at the end of the episode that is how Captain Trips really got out and started infecting en masse. I have to say that with watching the pilot by itself, if I were to see that, had no idea what I was getting into, I don't know if I'd continue. Out of the reviews that were coming out, I I actually did not understand some of the complaints outside of the jumping back and forth and the excessive, especially like Stu Redman of all characters, just casually dropping the F-bomb. I'm like, what? Why, Why is this necessary? Like, when did this ever become like, part of Stu Redman. I guess it's like this version of him, but going along each episode, I keep saying I'm more excited just to see where they take this story. And I'm really hoping for a great payoff. And King has a different ending that he has written. And for me, that's making me more excited to see if the actions are going to play out uh, very differently. So what we've seen so far, I mean, the reviews haven't been that great. I would say that I'm just a step, just a little bit higher in how I feel toward this series. It's just I'm a little more favorable than how the reviews are painting this show. The other weird thing is I'm not, after watching this, because I've seen each episode now twice, I don't have like a strong desire to rewatch them or watch them again. It's just like, let's move on. Whereas I'm wanting to return to the original miniseries to watch that after seeing what we've seen so far. You think when this is all said and done, someone will cut this up and piece it together chronologically? Yes. It'll I mean, be someone's this- going to do that. Yeah. I, I definitely see that happening. Now, I originally thought, this stru- I was like, oh, this is, I think it was originally 10 episodes. It got dropped down to nine when they wrote it. But I thought this is the stand. It's a good 10 to 13 episode series to just beginning to end. And you have an ending. Now I'm starting to think they should have done like eight and eight. And like mm. the first eight episodes, that's like season one. That's 
before they all come together in Colorado or Vegas, whichever they're going to go. And then the last, the last eight are the actual stand part, you know. And the in the novel, is it like half of the book? The stand, the stand part of it? No, it's it's a small por- portion. I'm just saying, like, we need eight episodes to meet all these characters, have them come together by the end of that first season. And then you end season one with, I don't know, them all coming to Boulder. I think that's what you do. And each episode focuses on one of the main characters. And you do it kind of like Lost. Every episode focuses on somebody, and then everybody was intertwining. I would really like to see that with this show or this miniseries in terms of each episode, give one character his or her own episode, and, and that's their focus. I'd be okay with that unless we're stuck with the character who we really don't like. And which was uh, which was an issue, issue with Lost, but they all, they still found a way to make it interesting because it always tied yeah. into something bigger on the island. I'm I'm really wondering about midway through if they're going to change that or if that that's about to change. The structure is about to change. It's hard for me to imagine, but we'll get into that with predictions. So, what do you think works so far? You know, the the structure of how we're given the the story, I don't necessarily like, but I do like focusing on like three characters per episode. And there's a moment in this last episode where we have our main core group of characters together. And I was like, this is when it's starting to feel like the stand. So I I like that. I like the cast a lot for the most part. The guy that plays Harold, I like a lot. That character is kind of cartoony in this version, but I I like these actors in in these roles. Well, the the character of Harold is very much so a Stephen King character. That's what he feels like to me because you get some of those who just seem a little zany. Yeah, he, he writes a good sad sack that is getting walked all over. It feels like, and then is just stewing internally and then eventually snaps. I mean, I would say that my favorite thing, what works in terms of what works here is the idea the, I guess, intent to build these characters up. If that was executed correctly, and maybe it'd be that linear way of telling a story. Um, and what's crazy so far, and I know we're only getting glimpses of him, but I'm really digging Alexander Skarsgård as Randall Flagg. Yeah, that's pretty pinpoint, perfect uh, casting right there. The original Randall Flagg, or, or in the original series, man, he was so hammy. He was like over the top. This version of Randall Flagg is just, is to me, I can't wait until we see more of Flagg and his entire crony land in uh, Vegas. So it's weird because a lot of things I like or really like, and then there's just like a minor issue that I have. And that's where it kind of sucks because even though I am enjoying it, I'm along for the ride. I'm not like there, there's just something along each episode that kind of just takes me out, plucks me out. And it is where I can't fully like say that there's one thing that I like really like. I do like the fact that it's like this end of the world tale. Do you think that actually feels like the end of the world? Because one thing watching this, I never get the impression that anything that severe has happened. I do. And then once again, there are times that I feel like I'm taken out by feeling like it's, it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like, say, 
when you saw the pilot to The Walking Dead, or you saw, um, I've, I've never watched The Leftovers, but you've seen, um, like say Jericho, uh, which was a CBS show, something where there is um, this like catastrophic event. Um, this, it seems like it should be pretty well played up, but I think the reason why it doesn't feel like it's global is the fact that we spend time with so few characters in these first couple of episodes. Yeah. We don't see them before it happens. And I wonder too, if it's a budget thing. Yeah, it has to be. Ultimately, that's where I have to say for me, the number one thing that doesn't work is just the structure, the way that this is currently designed, I think if that, if Boone corrected that, there'd be a lot of good things to come of this. The other thing too is like the amount of just outrageous F-bombs and like cursing. And it's like characters go out of their way to do that. Um, that's just not working for me either. Like I said, I don't mind. Like I freaking love the Wolf of Wall Street. But like to me, that if you do something where it's so over the top in a situation like this, like Stu Redman, while he was sitting and uh, in being interviewed by doctors and he was like casually saying things like that's just like you said, it sounds like every other character and they can't differentiate in writing for other characters dialogues. I just feel like three episodes in, I, I don't know a lot of these characters very well. It's by the third episode, we're really introduced to Nick Andrus, who I feel like is probably most people's favorite app. And his introduction, his flash, I don't know. It just doesn't work. It's yeah. so, everything feels so rushed. With this format, it's hard to become attached to anybody because we don't spend enough time with them before the outbreak to care what happens afterwards. Mm -hmm. Now, talking about Nick, I feel like, he's becoming one of my favorite characters. I can't say that he is my favorite character so far. I think I had to go with Stu Redman being my favorite character. I know like poo-pooed on him, but it's mainly how he's written. Marson, even when he's saying stuff that you might not necessarily believe Stu would say all the time, mm -hmm. he's got this good nature about him that you're, you're kind of drawn to. Which sucks, too, because he's so connected. And, and Harold, too, is so connected to Franny. And she just feels like an afterthought three episodes into this. <laughs> One character I actually think they've done a decent job of kind of developing or at least keeping me interested about what's happening is Amber Heard as Nadine Cross. I think mm. she's probably my favorite because, one, I, I think her story is interesting with her connection to Randall Flagg. And uh, I just feel like we have actually spent a fairly decent amount of time with her along with Stu. Well, like you said, there's also an, an amount of intrigue that we're just lacking in other characters and really in a lot of parts of this story. By episode three, we're kind of given a little explanation of who Randall Flagg is. And it made me realize in that third episode, I wish we hadn't seen him at all. But mm -hmm. We had only been really given very small glimpses it's risky because you have a big name playing that character, but you build up that anticipation a little bit more. I have to agree that it would be nice to see more or less these quick dreamlike sequences of 
Randall Flagg. And then that's all we're really left with, which is basically it minus seeing him in the prison. Not to bring up Larry Underwood, he was, I think, my least favorite character in the OG miniseries. And right now, there's a, I, I hate it because there's a lot about Larry that I like and want to like, but I'm finding myself wanting to like him more than I actually like. Even in the book, he's he's not top tier for me. Just talking about characters. Any of these main characters you wish they gave more screen time to in the first three episodes? Nick. You could say all of them, but is there one specific that you really wish we we got to spend a lot more time with? Yeah, I would say it's Nick for sure. I know that we're more or less just introduced to him. We were just introduced to him in episode three, but... Um, and he made like a small appearance in the second episode. What would you say about someone who needs more screen time? Absolutely. It's got to be Nick. He's just too crucial to the story. The other thing is if you know the fate of some of these characters, they're going to have to change stuff because we're like getting to, I feel like, points in the story where things are going to start happening. Big things are going to start happening. We haven't spent any time with this th- these people to make it matter. Mm-hmm. I think you could argue that in the book, some of these main characters, their their conclusion is, I think in a lot of these things just end with some of these characters. And I couldn't help but think, wow, that's, I spent so much time with the, these characters and this is how, this is how it ends for whoever. So I'm, I'm interested. I, I bet there's a lot of changes to what happens to the fate of um, a handful mm. of these characters. Are there any characters that you wish had less screen time? I mean, they're going hard on Larry and Stu. <laughs> yeah. Which which brings up another question. Who is the main character of this story? I actually think of the book, it's got to be Stu. Does it feel like that in this? I would say we've got the two opposing sides. We've got the good and the bad. And we're introduced to Stu and Harold. Uh, Harold to start things off. So I, I think that we um, that they're taking the approach, or at least Boone's trying to have the two main characters uh, be Stu and Harold. But at this point, I don't know. Like the way that they're treating this, it doesn't seem to be... It's almost like... Boone wants to have an ensemble, but he doesn't know how to bring this ensemble together or make that ensemble work whenever they're together and then when they're apart. Yeah, it's hard to do that when you only have nine episodes. Yeah. We need we need more Harold, though. Yeah. Because he is he's like the he's on a collision course with Stu in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Do you do you like it whenever Stu or uh, when Harold is more reserved or whenever he's over the top. I love Harold as a character in general. He's along the lines of, I think Junior in Under the Dome is like one Mm. of my favorite King villains. And it's just these deeply, deeply flawed, disturbing characters. And I just like in the stand following Harold because he's just unraveling. I love whenever we meet for the first time when Stu and Harold meet and Harold's immediately on guard, which I don't, I mean, I can totally understand why, but it's funny how Franny's like, maybe we should give him a chance. And Harold's basically like, 
this guy. Harold's thing is, it's not even that he's just not trusting you because it's the end of the world. There's not a lot of people left and I don't necessarily trust you for my safety. He's just deeply insecure too. Mm -hmm. And he just wants to smash Franny so bad. (laughs) They're doing Franny dirty though. Like she's been so underused in these first three episodes. It really makes me wonder, they have to bring her in a lot more from this point forward, right? It seems like she's got to be a huge character from here on out for sure. Yeah, we talked about the the flashbacks a lot. At, at what point? I guess there's yes or no. Are is will these episodes just be a straight linear story from any point on? I I would assume that we when we get to the stand, but that also makes me kind of scared because the stand is what the second to last episode. So the first act we could say is is these three episodes. What what grade you given it out of? What do you want to do out of five or A through F? If um, I was going to say A through F, I'd go with like a B minus. I don't know if that's too high, but I have to say a B minus or um, I guess three out of five. I'll say B minus too because this is not a poorly made show. I just think in an effort to try to make this different, they, I mean, it feels like, it honestly feels like they took the story and wrote it linear and then chopped it into pieces and just like randomly picked stuff out to tell the story and they that's the order they put it in. It just doesn't feel coherent. I do think that it, it looks good for the most part. So looking at this episode nine, it's the final episode, it's called Coda, Franny in the Well. I wonder what that means. So that's good though that she's in a she's in the episode title because maybe she's going to be used a whole lot more in these last uh, six episodes. Or unless that's it, that's her episode. That's her one and only episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she is. Uh, speaking of that, um, what about some predictions? We we we're going to make some predictions for the next episode. Episode four. We're gonna we're gonna count the f bombs. We're gonna guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, we did episode three. I only counted eight. And I swear to you, those first two episodes probably said it 40 times each. And that didn't scared you, me. Didn't you say somebody counted? You said somebody counted online in, in the first three episodes. They said it was 136 times that it was used. Yeah. That seems like too much. That that seems excessive for sure. I mean, that seems like almost Scarface level. So I... I started counting uh, in episode three and then I stopped because I texted you like 20 minutes in and I'm like, I can't believe this. We had guessed before watching that. I, I went with 10. I said they would say 10. I went low because I thought we would end up spending some time on Glenn Bateman played by the one and only Greg Kinnear. And so you said 10. I said like 30 something and it was from my count eight. So you got that right. So episode four. I'm going to kind of split the difference. I'm going to say 17. I'm going, yeah, I have to go up a little bit. Um, 17 is a good number, but I'm going to go higher than that. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say 25. We're going to be spending more time in Vegas, I would imagine, at some point. Mm-hmm. And the people in Vegas are completely bonkers. That, that's so you what, know they're going to be dropping it like crazy. That's what I'm trying to decide, like looking at this, when do we really have that Vegas, the introduction of Vegas? I don't think it's going to happen until um, 
the episode after. I think this upcoming episode, we're going to get more um, of this build up to Boulder. And then I think at the end of it, we'll end up seeing more of Vegas. The next episode is called The House of the Dead. But then again, I mean, that's also like the perfect way to set up for Vegas, House of the Dead. I feel like we're going to get Vegas before long. Uh, another question, Trash Can Man, big character in the book. And we know Ezra Miller is playing that character for this adaptation. Which episode is Trash Can Man going to show up? Uh... I'm going to say, oh, geez, House of the Dead. I Looking at these titles, I'm going to go with um, episode five, Suspicious Minds. Ooh, man. Trash Can Man is such a big, integral part of the book. Mm-hmm. He is one of my least favorite parts of the book, but <laughs> ultimately, just like ultimately plays very very large role in his conclusion which is insane to me i think it's before i'm going to say we meet him in episode four this next episode yeah um, he's a huge role yeah i i I mean it with the house of the dead and its title i really wonder if this is going to be the the big vegas episode the intro to vegas because truthfully i it was already set up by the guy who's crucified in the last episode. Do you think that for Vegas that we'll just spend like really one episode there? Or do you think once it's, once we get to that point, it'll pretty much be all Vegas? No, I think we're going to, I think that's going to be sprinkled in probably every episode. I have to ask. So you like, uh, Skarsgård as Flag. What do you think about Whoopi as Mother Abigail? I mean, it's hard. We haven't spent a lot of time with her, but I like the little amount that we've seen of her. I like I like that she's she's 108. She is frail, but she didn't seem like it. She seems like she's got a little spunk and strength to her. I'm interested to see more, um, but it's, it's so different, um, especially with having Whoopi in this role. Any big predictions for this upcoming episode? Anything major that you think we'll see? No, I do, I do think I'm, I'm, I'm banking on this. We're going to meet Trash Game Man. It's going to be the introduction to one of the big players in this in this story. And we'll start with like a giant Michael Bay explosion. Would you say that you're looking forward to uh, these upcoming uh, episodes? Um, especially like I'm kind of worried about it dragging from this point until the stand, basically. I mean, I'm excited. I wish we had this all at once. I I think this would be easier to swallow a lot of these issues that we have if we could binge it all in one day. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I'm along for the ride and um, there's some concerns. Maybe a lot of those concerns will be uh, wrapped up, but man, I think it's just Josh Boone. After I saw New Mutants, I said, we are in some serious trouble. I see. I wasn't too concerned, but then uh, I think it was the second episode, Pocket Savior. I'm like, man, this could be this could be a little rough. Speaking of episode, let's go ahead and rank those um, from your least favorite to favorite. Uh, we'll start at the very bottom with uh, episode, or well, I'm not saying episode three, but what was your least favorite episode? Uh, I would put Pocket Savior at number three, which is episode two. You know, I thought a lot about this, but 
Um, weirdly enough, I'm going to say um, the third episode. My episode number two is The End, which means Blank Page is my favorite episode so far. Um, <clears throat> I'm curious because uh, next is Pocket Savior and then The End is my favorite. But, um, but you blank went in pa- order. You think it's mm-hmm. gotten worse every episode. Yeah, I, and I don't. It was weird because after watching Pocket Savior, I the first time watching it, I liked it, but there were certain problems I had with it. But blank, blank pages, there just seemed to be something that it was jumping around. Although there were the most amount of characters, like with seeing more of what was happening in Boulder, we we get to meet Nick um, in terms of like his backstory. So there are a lot of things that ideally I should like. Uh, I may end up moving those around. Um, but right now, I don't know if the end will... Ch- uh, yeah, I, I will re- rearrange it. But right now, I think the end will stay above Pocket Savior and Blank Pages for sure. But Blank Pages and Pocket Savior could switch for me. Yeah, with with the introduction of Nick in Blank Page, I'm just a Nick fanboy. So we, we finally get to spend time with him and, and uh, I'm all in, baby. I did take uh, two random notes. Um, the weirdest thing I think that I, to me, that stood out when we are introduced to Lloyd and when he was arrested, um, and for some reason when the gas station is being shot up, freaking Weezer's Island in the sun starts blasting. <laughs> What's up with that needle drop? It's just that song you hear if you're working. Probably, I've never worked in a gas station, but you know you're going to hear the same music over and over. And just imagine getting shot to death. And it's, that, it's just one of those songs. It's like, and, I, I had to die to a Weezer song. Man, this is, that's, this is it sucks. That's that's fantastic. Um, and then this is, this is something that I love. I did not catch it the first time, but on the second episode is whenever it's first introduced and they play it out more in blank pages. But... The original miniseries music for Larry Underwood, it's the subtle acoustic guitar that plays. And it's mainly during the traveling when he's out walking. Um, I freaking love that sound. And I heard it very subtly in the second episode. But then the third episode, they play it a couple of times. And I just cannot wait for him to just blast, uh, baby, can you take your man? Well, I'm I'm excited to uh, I'm going to order this remastered version of the stand, and I'll probably maybe wait until after we wrap this up, which runs until freaking mid February. By the yeah, way, yeah, right after uh, the Thursday after Valentine's Day. Um, which, speaking of, do you, uh, are you watching this with Lexi, your wife, by chance? She kept she keeps asking, "What is that?" I'm like, "It's Stephen <laughs> King the stand." Like, you don't know what that is. Do <laughs> you think that um, even though she's not watching this, you'll get her to watch the OG miniseries? No. You should just uh, buy her the Larry Underwood uh, Pocket Savior album that gets the repeated Baby Can You Dig Your Man over and over again. Now, I do love that title, Pocket Savior. It is really cool. I think they have like a really cool setup with Larry. I just wish they made me care a little bit more about Larry. That's all. Well, hopefully by episode nine, we'll have cared about all of these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, we're going to do breakdowns of uh, all of these episodes for The Stand. So hopefully you watch those, uh, tune in and listen to uh, what we have to say about it. And uh, we've got some more things to say 
uh, outside the stand as well, uh, talking about our list for 2020. And um, all I can say is, baby, can you dig your man?